0: Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar related, including industry news, reviews and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm the Smoke Master General, Mr. Trey and I am joined as I am every week by Shane Reeves. Was you
1: attacked by any of the pumpkin spice hordes on your way here today? No,
0: I didn't stop for coffee.
1: <laughs> you didn't stop for. I should the, have. Oh my goodness. We're recording on, on September 1st and I'm okay with, I'm okay with pumpkin spice. No Christmas music till after Thanksgiving. No pumpkin spice till after September 1st. That's all I
0: ask. No Christmas music until after Halloween. I'll say you're going earlier. I got to go after. I, I hate yeah. for Thanksgiving to get left behind. Yeah, I mean, I do love Thanksgiving. Don't get me wrong, but I think. Twenty-five days or thirty days, depending on when it falls, there's not enough time to enjoy Christmas music. I think you need more than just after Thanksgiving.
1: It depends on how much you listen. You know, if you're just catching it when you're in the car going from point A to point B, you're probably right. But if you're like me and you sit on the back porch, you know, and smoke a cigar and turn on serious Christmas channel, no, that's what I do. Oh, okay. See, I'm about about twenty-four days of it's plenty for me. No, and I don't. I don't need it after after that. Before that, I don't want it. I won't do... And why do we not have Thanksgiving music?
0: We have Alice's Restaurant.
1: Yeah. But that's... That's, that's it. A, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a Thanksgiving song. And all, but all right. I can't wait to light this cigar. All right. Um, it's rare that I'm this excited about lighting a cigar. And uh, this is the La Aurora Puro Vintage Edition Limitada. And um, this is a gift to me. This cigar costs more than I would probably spend right. on it. In all truth, but it's a Solomon. I'm sure John proprietor love. loves
0: you sticking the price tag on the inside of his <laughs> ashtray as well. I'm well, gonna fix gonna, that for you. i was don't gonna or...
1: get rid of that. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. I just stuck it there so that it was out of the way. And uh, so it's a blend of Dominican, Nicaraguan, and Brazilian fillers. And um, it doesn't say. Hold on, I'm looking at the little card that comes with it. Yeah,
0: you get your readers out.
1: Yeah, you. You think? Yeah, I don't. I don't need glasses. I need longer arms. Um, it doesn't say what the wrapper is. It just talks about the fillers and all. But now, some of their descriptive, sweet, soon after sweet tingles of dried tropical fruit and wild honey develop in a back-and-forth romp with dark chocolate notes. Oh, lovely. That, that's a little lofty of a description. I just want a good cigar. Is that Ray? too much to ask for? <laughs> but I am excited to smoke this stick because I've
0: really, I've, everything While Aurora has been doing has been good. Yeah, I I have been a fan of it, everything uh, that they've been doing for a while now. Yeah, they seem to have they seem to have it on the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna I forgot See, to pull mine up. Here we go. So
1: here's the hardest thing about cutting a solomon like this. I cut it, and I take my draw. I'm like, okay, the draw is a little stiff, but it's, it's coming gonna down. It's going to open up, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of got to cut it and be okay with it being a little stiff, even if you think you may have to do a second cut. Well, that,
0: that's, the Charter Oak's a good example of that, too, because it has that shaggy foot. Mm-hmm. And so you you draw on it, you cold draw on it, you go, I'm not so sure I got a good one. And then as soon as you light it, it opens up. And that's, I don't know, that's part of the fun of a Solomon for me, is it that it's almost like you get to unwrap your Christmas presents twice, because the first is when you first get it lit, and then as it opens up over that first quarter inch, it's like, oh, wait, now we're getting into it.
1: Yeah, you, can, you can, it kind of develops. you got layers and complexities yeah. and all. So what are you smoking?
0: Yeah, so um, it, we didn't plan this, but it turned out to be a an all La Aurora show. Uh, so I picked up the leather kit from, uh, from La Aurora a couple of, I guess a month ago now or so. And it's really great. It's a, a beautiful leather uh, kit. with uh, comes with a cutter and a lighter, um, which I promptly replaced with the one I use. Uh, and it comes with five Donlino Africas in the Churchill size, which, to my knowledge, you can't get anywhere except in this kit. And I've—it comes with five. I now—by the end of this show, I will have one left. I've been really good at, at parsing it out and staying slow in my enjoyment of it because if that's not the shape and size that cigar was made for, I don't know what is. It is so good.
1: They're excellent in that. Now, I still like the Timbo because I still like the full body, the 660. And, I, and I've smoked probably more boxes of the Tembo than any cigar I've ever had in my life. But I've, I also got one of those kits. Um, it was a buy a couple of box deal to get the kit, so I ended up just buying a couple of boxes because I knew I would eventually smoke the Africans anyway. I might as well get the kit, too. And I've been smoking through those church hills. And the kits, it's funny, the kits built on kind of the same format as my Peter
0: James cases built. Pretty identical,
1: actually. Yeah, kind of the same the Same, same layout, configuration. yeah. And uh, those kit, man. The cigar kit is so handy. It is nice. And uh, did you think you when you got it? Did you think you would like it as well as you do? Yeah,
0: because I've always been a kit guy. You know, I was into drones many years ago before they were sort of ubiquitous, and that was one of the things: buying a toolbox and setting it up so that every plate everything has a specific place and it stays where it's supposed to. And that, as so I've always been a big fan of that. This is my, you know, I keep a, a go bag in my in the trunk of my car. You know, and it's specific things and specific places. Like, I'm, I'm all about that. So I knew I would be a fan of the kit. I just knew that I wasn't going to drop the kind of money on a Peter James case. Yeah. And, and so this became the perfect opportunity. I'm going to smoke through a box of Africas and a box of 107 Nicaraguas anyway. I might as well get the kit.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I told my wife. I said, you know, I'm going to smoke two boxes of Africas conceivably in the next year anyway. I might as well get the kit. You know, yeah. Either otherwise I'm just buying the two boxes and not
0: getting the kit. Exactly.
1: So it worked out really well. But on the first light, my draw is still
0: a little stiff, but I think that's going to have to burn back. You, you've still got a little ways to go. Yeah. And, okay. You can my, always reclip that and open it up a little bit more if you need to. Well,
1: And I got a question. This cutter seems to not be cutting cigars well. It's a Zycar. It's and it seems like it's almost mashing them together yeah it could be time to have it sharpened could be i mean i 've cut a lot of cigars with it i 've had it about two years and cut a lot of cigars with it. yeah it very well could be time to just put another edge on that yeah, I may need to just send this one in and see if they 'll re and get them to resharpen it and go ahead and use a different cutter for a little while till till it gets
0: back. I mean I know mine is desperate uh, for another cutter or for for to be sharpened. I know it just it needs it desperately i 've had this cutter. Since 2012, and I've never had it serviced, and I've, and I smoke more cigars in a day than you do, so I know this thing has has gone through a bunch of cigars, and I notice that too. It, not all the time; it does somewhat depend on the cigar, how mushy it is, so to speak. But yeah, I have. It's definitely it's definitely time.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's what I'm going to end up doing is just picking up another XI one somewhere, and just letting this one go go yeah. to the place and get resharpened. But okay, let's talk about our first
0: article. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago when they announced that Drew Estate was canceling all their all their events. We, both of us were kind of like, man, I wish they'd still like send some of the swag out because that was half the reason you buy the ticket.
1: Oh, yeah. And also, Drew Estate's announced the Goodwill Act of 2021. So basically, everybody that bought a barn smoker ticket or a D25 ticket they're going to send out around christmas some special swag some special uncirculated drew estate swag to everybody that did that
0: yeah and i think that's great i think that i think it i mean the the swag packs the cigar boxes the things that they do at these events shows that they're a company that really does know that people want their stuff. I mean, people go to their events for the event, but also because of what you get with the ticket, the physical items that you get with it. So I think this is a way for them to recognize, like, we know some of you had your heart set on the stuff, not just the experience. So here's our way to... um, And this, you know, a lot of people, because... For whatever reason, because the, the mass and the vaccines and anything COVID-related has somehow become political as well, I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm done with Drew Estate now, which it makes no sense to me. But um, I think this is a good way for them to get some of those people back of like, I realize you don't agree with our decision, but we're going to make good on the fact that you wanted to be our customer.
1: Yeah, it's a good strategic move because then next year, if they, they won't have that person saying well, why, why would I buy a ticket? I'll wait till right before the event to buy a ticket at all because who knows if they're going to cancel it or not. This right. is kind of a, it's a strategic move as well,
0: yeah. and all, which that's okay. It can be both. And the fact that they're doing this on the back of a full refund, not a partial refund, says right. a lot about them. I mean, because across those, there's a couple of hundred people that go to each barn smoker. I have to imagine the guest list at DE25 was going to be close to 500 people, if not more.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a couple of thousand.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money in free swag they're giving away. And on top of that, they're giving $50,000 to Cigars for Warriors. Which is a great donation. Um,
1: the... You know, the barn smokers, the auction and the lottery tickets and all that is always to... The barn smokers are always to benefit Cigars for Warriors. Mm -hmm. So it's nice that even though Cigars for Warriors is going to miss those, they're going to go ahead and donate some money to them to take care of that. Yeah. This is just what Drew Estate does well. They take care of their customers. Their customers mean a lot to them. Right. And also Bravo. I'm not going to dwell on it, but Bravo, Drew Estate. I think that's a, a class move. Speaking of Cigars for Warriors cigars for warriors has shipped 1.2 million cigars
0: that's a lot of cigars
1: that's a and that's and especially for a company that's a true
0: nonprofit right
1: that collects cigars from people like you and I who give them and put them the cigars for warriors boxes and everything and then they have to raise the funds to ship them to pack them they have to go through you know who gets hand who hands them out once they get there all of the the uh, all of the uh, semantics that go with getting the Logistics. Cigar. Logistics,
0: thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's a very, especially, you know, I've followed a couple of people who have been donating and organizing um, relief missions to Afghanistan right now, helping get people out safely, and um, both American and Afghani families, and... Just to see what goes into any type of overseas endeavor, you know, whether we're talking about militarily or otherwise, trying to organize, getting something to people or getting people from an area when it's a couple thousand miles away, you, you know, there's a language barrier in some cases. There's, you know, all these these headaches that go along with that, and, and for them to be doing something like this uh, is great.
1: Well, and not only that, if you get you know last week we said um hey I, if i if I get a free lighter and it doesn't have a fuel window, I don't use it. drop that in the donation box because they also uh, they also send magazines, cigar lighters, and cutters over there, yeah. So don't just drop your cigars in the box. Go ahead and drop you. you know, if you, if you win a lighter, if you get a lighter, and you're like, okay, I don't need this, I have my regular lighter. Go for it. Yeah, just slide it in that Cigar for Warriors box. Yeah. Somebody over there will appreciate having that that little bit of comfort, you know. And Storm has always talked about, Storm Bowen that runs it. He's always talking about it's not really the cigar. It's not really that these guys are jonesing for a cigar and this gives them one. This lets them know somebody over here
0: is thinking about them, right? In, in a in a in a more personal way. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just and they and especially true cigar smokers. No, you know, well, my friend did not hand me this cigar. That's a big deal. Yeah, you know, that's a big deal to just reach and hand somebody a different a different cigar, especially when, you know a price tag like that. Right. At all, but just um, it just means a lot. It's it's kind of it's so much deeper than just boxing up cigars and shipping them to to soldiers. Yeah. And also, all right, the Yagua and all. This is from Will. The Yagua returns for 2021. So J.C. Newman makes this cigar. It's called a Yagua. It's a more traditional cigar, kind of an odd shape. And actually, they're pretty inexpensive. I mean, what are they going to be this year? He usually tells. I didn't see
0: it in the article.
1: Yeah. When they were here last, they were like, you know, eight bucks. Yeah and all, just a real inexpensive cigar. Um, I guess traditional cigars don't seem to carry, I don't seem to carry the love for them that a lot of people do. That more traditional cigar taste is not one of my favorite flavors. You know, you talk about the... Are you
0: talk about like J.C. Newman in general and their flavor profile? Yeah, kind of
1: like the J.C. Newman, the Aladino stuff, the, um, a lot of the CLE stuff. It's just a more traditional cigar taste. Yeah. And I, I think I'm, I've got a more modern palette. I kind of like a more modern cigar
0: so I smoked this. I was not terribly impressed. See I have not had one of those and, and we thought that there was uh, that there were some in the humidor here and I went looking for them. Apparently, he doesn't have them uh, anymore so we'll have to wait for them to be re-released. but I, I do like it. I do like the I do like the nod back to heritage. Um, I do like some of JC Newman's stuff. And at this price point, I have to imagine it's going to be decent, you know, um, because that's what they do well, uh, is the, you know, yes, their Opus and some of their higher-end stuff, they do really well, too. But I feel like their their budget line, their stuff in and around that $10 mark is where they really continue to excel year after year.
1: Yeah, that tends to be where they thrive. They tend to thrive in that that inexpensive, that cigar under 10 market.
0: Right. And I do like the fact that these don't get put into molds and so part of the reason they all have funny shapes is that they take... They don't put them into molds. They immediately, once they bunch it, they put the wrapper on it, and then they put it, wrap it in a was it a banana leaf or a palm leaf or something like that? Yeah, some sort of leaf. Yeah, and they just wrap a bunch of twenty up together, and so they, you know, they finish fermenting sort of in a group. It's very similar to what they do at Box Press. It's just not as regimented a shape. Packed tightly into a royal palm leaf. Okay. And. Um yeah, you know this is a 6x54 Toro, and Toro kind of being used loosely here, but... I feel like Toro has more to do with length and girth than it does actual shape, because you have box press Toro, so I, I, I feel like you can still call it a Toro, even though it's kind of lumpy.
1: Well, and it's almost kind of a volume of tobacco. Right. You know, this much, if you weighed this cigar, this cigar would weigh what a standard Toro weighs. Right. And on. I think that's, I don't think it's fair to call this a Toro. The article kind of says maybe calling it a Toro would
0: be misleading, but no, nah, I think you'd call it a Toro. I think from a volume standpoint, I wish I liked them. You're going to make me put my cigars on a scale when I get home and see what the variance is <laughs> from one f- cigar to the next in the same size or different sizes.
1: I guarantee you a box
0: press will be lighter. Yeah.
1: You know, a box press, because they naturally have to roll a box press a little looser. Because when they do put it in that press, if they if it condenses the yeah. yeah, if it's too tight, it'll bust, and if it's you know if it's tight and you put it in that press,
0: it won't draw. So I bet you your box press runs a couple ounces lighter. I also wonder how much of that I would I would venture to say actually now that I'm thinking about it, I bet the box press and the round do weigh the same. If you had a cigar company that was making the same cigar in a box press and a round, I bet they would because And this is where I'm going to nerd out on you for a minute because of packing efficiency. So if you think about a box press is rolled a little bit looser, yes, but it's taking up a greater area, a greater volume than the round one for the same amount of tobacco because a round shape is not as packing efficient as a square.
1: Well, you know, Austin has a digital pipe tobacco scale here. <laughs> yeah. went, after the show we may
0: have to perform a perform an experiment and weigh a couple and see. Well, no, it's good because I've got got the box of of Africa's and the 107 Nicaragua's, both Toros. So two different cigars from the same manufacturer in the same shape at my house. I've got a, a very accurate kitchen scale that I use for all my cooking. I may have to do some experimenting on this.
1: Well, you know, and Pedro's always talked about that's one of the things. So when the rollers are finished with the cigars on the bench, they're weighed... He weighs them to be sure that they are—they don't have too much tobacco or too little tobacco in them.
0: What's his margin for error? Has he ever told you in a box of twenty cigars? Are we talking five grams, ten? Probably told me, and I don't remember. I'd be curious to know what the—I mean, so half a gram per cigar over twenty cigars be twenty be ten grams. I'd. I'd say that's a pretty that's easy variant. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, because you know, if you get more stems, less stems. Which I've never got a lot of stems out of his cigars. He right. does. A, he tends to do a better job stemming them than some of the bigger, you know, all the boutique guys
0: are going to do better stemming them. They've got more time. Yeah, they're not having to hit these huge production numbers.
1: Right. So you know, I always tend to get more stems out of the the CAOs and the generals and the the big companies tends to be where I find my cigar that'll have a stem or something in it as opposed to the local
0: boutique guys. But the right.
1: boutique guys yeah. always going to have a higher quality tobacco.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of why you pay more for a boutique.
1: So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, from the Washington Post, not often that I take a Washington Post article, and, okay, I've, I've laid off of this now for several weeks, because we did have some listeners say, hey, we get it. Shane hates vaping. Right. So I've, I've laid off of this for a couple of weeks, but I couldn't let this article go by without talking about it. All right. FDA facing demands to snuff out Jules e-cigarettes. And basically the article's just saying um, they claimed they were going to market Jules as a way to stop smoking, and instead they started running ads of all the young hip people vaping and it turned it into a way to get kids into
0: the, in the nicotine. See, the thing I have it's not often that I defend Philip Morris because Philip Morris is the one that owns Jewel, right? Or they blew. I don't I can never remember which um, I'm never usually one to to defend big tobacco here, but how can they be responsible? Now So this whole thing is basically saying that they're going to have to defend and prove that they were intending to market this product as a way to stop smoking as opposed to being a new alternative to get new people hooked on nicotine. And I feel like the burden of proof really should fall on the FDA here because Juul never advertised with teenagers in their advertisements. And so the fact that Teenagers were the ones that picked this up and started using it. I don't think that's Jules' fault.
1: If you okay, so if you don't use a teenager in your ad, but you use someone that looks like what a teenager wants to be as a young adult, are you not doing the same thing?
0: Uh, no, you're not, because you've got it backwards, and this is what so many marketers are are get wrong on a regular basis. Everyone thinks that teenagers are looking to 20-somethings to see what's cool. That's not what happens. Teenagers determine what's cool on their own, and it's the 20-somethings that are trying to emulate what the teenagers are doing so that they can stay relevant. I, I have seen it firsthand on several accounts.
1: I've seen the opposite firsthand, especially like online gaming. You know, I used to play World of Warcraft. And World of Warcraft for years was... The more mature, the adult players played the horde side, and the kids all played the light side. Well, the kids found out all the adults were on the horde side and totally migrated.
0: All well, I, I think you're talking about a niche subset of of people already, though. I, I don't think I think when we're talking about matters of pop culture and trends, it tends to be the 15 to 18 year olds that set the trends. Oh, no, it's a you- reason that coffee goes in and out of favor in Britain about every fifteen years. And it's because, oh, the kids aren't kids are going back to drinking tea instead of drinking coffee because my dad drinks coffee. And then you, you know, my dad doesn't drink coffee in the next generation, so we start drinking coffee again. And you and that's been the case for almost a hundred years.
1: But here's the thing. If Jewel was not marketing to Kids, Why do they have berry blue flavor, frosted
0: flakes, fruit loop, whatever flavors and all? Because I don't... Do you stop... You you talked about... I don't remember if it was while we were recording or after last week. But you talked about when you go on vacation, give me the fruitiest, girliest boat drink you can find. So just because you're an adult doesn't mean you've given up enjoying bright, fruity flavors. yes in your day-to-day life you do. I don't think so.
1: Oh, and I your still have th- dessert after every dinner. But as you get older and your metabolism changes that will probably change. No, I'll just run a couple more miles each day. <laughs> That's fine. But you know, I'm, I'm going to work your side of the street. You're the exception to the rule. Most adults are thinking about health, and, you know, adults don't
0: get up and pour a bowl of Fruit Loops. Yeah, but think about the fact that that's—no, I realize that, but at the same time, I can't imagine—you know, everyone talks about fruity cereals, if we're going to take that route, the Fruit Loops, the tricks the, all these things. Everyone talks about those that are exclusively for kids, except that kids don't have money. So— In order for these these brands to survive as long as they have, there have to be adults buying it for their own enjoyment, or buying it for their kids.
1: I mean, look at commercials for so commercials for tricks, Fruit Loops, and all that.
0: That's not for adults. I No, but you have to, but kids I, but I mean even still to this day I have friends that don't have kids that grew up on Fruity Pebbles and that's still their you know their guilty go-to you know they always have a box in the house it don't they don't go through it as fast as they go through the Honey bunches of oats but they still they buy it for themselves you know um, how many times it, was it O'Charlies that used to have the Captain Crunch breaded fried chicken I don't know. There was, there was a restaurant around, and they sold out gangbusters for breading fried chicken in Cap'n Crunch cereal. Ooh, sounds terrible. I agree. You know, I, I don't necessarily need these fruity, you know, sweet flavors in everything, but I—, I Disagree that it is entirely aimed at kids just because it's sweet and fun. There are plenty of adults, and I think we'd all be a little bit better for it if we would embrace that little bit of immaturity and childishness instead of pushing it away and deciding that, no, I'm an adult, I'm a grown-up, I can't enjoy things anymore.
1: No, you're an adult, you're a grown-up, you can enjoy different things. And I don't think you're giving up joy just because you're putting down the fruity pebbles and all but the bit back to this article the bigger question in this article okay so vaping is here and let's be honest vaping attracts kids what do you do
0: about it well again if if juul is not directly marketing towards kids if they're labeling uh, their products appropriately, you know, with warning labels and stuff like that. And if they are selling, you know, at the wholesale level to people that have tobacco licenses and things, and if they are following the the regulatory statutes established for their industry, it's not their fault. Why are we attacking Juul for the fact that kids are using their product when we should be attacking the convenience store owners who aren't carting people?
1: Well, I'm a fan of the true grit theory. Your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. This is the reality. Juul's fault or not, the fact is
0: they are it is being used by teenagers. It is. And so the way to get around that is to is to increase the the fines and the penalties for the people that are selling them to kids, not from the manufacturer. This is one of those things so most modern cars, the stereo system is kind of hardwired into the computer. You can't you can't really modify your car stereo anymore like you used to be able to, which is a shame because I used to really enjoy that part of car ownership. And it drives me up a wall. So every state in these United States has a law on the books that says you can't watch a video on a screen while you're driving your car. And and whether you have a passenger or not, they can't play a video on the, on the primary radio screen in your car. That's the law. Cool. So stereo manufacturers, going back 15, 20 years, whenever DVDs were invented, put a ground wire in their radios that you had to wire to the uh, parking brake and it so that you could you had to have the parking brake set so that it so that it would unlock that feature right cool there's a law they created a safeguard to prove that they weren't trying to encourage people to break the law that should have been the end of it but instead, people started wiring them to a two-pole switch, which is what I did. And so I've got a little toggle switch down here, and I can make the radio think that I have the parking brake on, and I would carry on down the road watching Top Gear. So then the stereo manufacturers realize that that's what people are doing. So now they do change it. To where you have to, you still have to wire it to the same spot, but now you have to turn it on, off, on, and there, there was like a, a sequence, like launching a submarine torpedo, that you had to go through to get it to activate. No, you did your part. It's if, and that partially I blame the whole frivolous lawsuit culture we have, but no, the jvc or pioneer or alpine or whoever can prove we told you not to do it we put a safeguard in place if they circumvented the safeguards that we put in place that's on them not us and stop it and that's how i feel about this jewel is not doing anything wrong it's not their fault that teenagers are getting hold of their product it's it's
1: interesting yes i agree I'm never in favor of going after the corporation. I always feel like you're better to educate people than to try to ban something. You know, prohibition never
0: works. Right. And also, I always feel like it's better to do that, but... um, I guarantee you, if you passed a law tomorrow that said vape can only taste like broccoli or, you know, uh, or black coffee, you'd still have kids that were, that would use them. Because it's, it's not about, it's not just about the flavors. I'll say that. I'm, I'm sure the flavors don't hurt, but it's not just about that. It's the fact that, let's face it, for every generation, and we grew up in the generation of like smoking's not cool, your, your kids are going to peer pressure into saying, oh, all the cool kids are doing it, smoking's not, I'm here to tell you, smoking's cool. <laughs> if it weren't, people wouldn't still do it. Right.
1: Reality on reality's terms. Yeah. Regardless of how you try to dress it up, some things are just reality. Exactly. And also, it's going to be interesting to see how this proceeds. I resent that they lump vape cigarettes and cigars
0: all in the same category. I do, too. And that's a, I mean, but that's a different story for a different day. That is. But, okay, let's step away for a break. So the Puro Vintage is outstanding. I'm still loving this Africa, too. I mean, this in this size, is just so good. Well,
1: I'm getting that rich... I'm not getting the dried fruit and notes of honey, but I'm getting a lot of that rich, full tobacco flavor. Yeah. Little hints of chocolate, little hints of smoked... You know, that smoked meat flavor. I'm getting a lot of really good stuff, and it's changed a couple of times as I've been going through it. I'm about halfway done. Yeah. And just tasting excellent. Excellent.
0: Great cigar,
1: but... When we come back, we're going to talk about a few hypothetical situations, one Your of my favorite. favorite things.
0: All right. We'll be back with that more after this.
1: back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your host Shane, sitting across from the man that was disappointed when he found out Whole Foods sold more than just donuts, bagels, Cheerios, and Lifesavers, Mr. Trey Dedman.
0: You call that a thinker? <laughs> that's a thinker. That's not a well, thinker. That is a thinker. You have to think about well, that's it. That's a spelling joke is what that is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I still like it. <laughs> I, I didn't say I didn't like it. <laughs> At all. Just food with holes in it. I think that'd be a great store. Whole Foods. Foods with holes in them. <laughs> you know, pretzels. Uh, You know, I don't know. Pretzels would kind of have to go into chamber foods.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you can call pretzels whole foods, but for the same reason that a bagel's not really because you create, you know, this is going way off the rails. Donuts, you cut the hole out of the lump of dough. Sure. Bagels, you shape into a ring. So they're not really whole foods because I feel like a hole is the removal of something. As I opposed to yeah. just a, a gap.
1: Okay, so do you consider pineapple rings whole foods? Yeah, because you take the core out of the center. Okay, but to me, a pineapple in its natural state doesn't have a hole. A donut and a bagel in their natural state have a hole in them.
0: A the donut doesn't. You have to make the hole in the donut. There oh, are plenty no. of cr- jelly-filled donuts don't have a hole.
1: Yeah, I don't count they those. They have a
0: chamber. I,
1: I, I don't count those. I count real donuts. I count donuts that human beings... No, I
0: feel like the whole has to be created.
1: You feel, you feel like for it to be a whole food, the whole must be created. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever, whatever works. We've said whole enough for the first 12 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and all. So, okay, one of my favorite things in life is the hypothetical question. We talked about it last week with the monkey and the sword. and I, And I was thinking about it this morning. I said, you know... I would like to just pose some general hypothetical
0: questions. And I did a quick Google search, found a couple, thought of a couple on my own. I was actually a little disappointed in your list to find that. So, you know, showing you a little bit of how the sausage is made is I had to just look for a list of, you know, funny, wacky, you know, outlandish hypotheticals. just because I didn't have the time to sit and pontificate, I was expecting you to have reached into your bag of tricks. So when I see one that was on a list that I had been reading earlier today, I was like, man, of, of the, the for the man who loves hypotheticals like you do, I expected you to have these chambered and ready to go.
1: I am ashamed I had to go the same road you did. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's fine. I expect more of you, Shane. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but only one of mine came off that no, list. No, that's fair. My, I, that's My true. others are completely created. Yeah.
0: In- I will say that one cho-
1: that'll have to go off the air after the show that'll be truly disturbing to you for the next couple of days.
0: There were a couple of those on those lists that I was like, <laughs> "Oh, I don't even want to think about that." But I will say I did choose the ones I did based on thinking about our relationship, our relationship with the listeners, and kind of some things that. So it wasn't all just picking a rabbit out of a hat. That was a terrible analogy. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. Get me out of this. Let's go ahead and st- uh, let's go ahead and start with one about cigars. Yeah. Good cigar
1: hypotheticals hard to come by hypothetically speaking, what do you wish your first cigar was, and what story do you wish went with it so if you could if you could go back and make it the perfect first cigar story?
0: I mean my first cigar story is pretty good to begin with if I do say so myself you know I was given my my college roommate because I turned eighteen after I had already started college, and so my college roommate on my 18th birthday gave me a cigar. It was a Cuban. It was given to him by a very respectable man in the you know, aristocracy of Houston. Like it, it had a great backstory. It was a good cigar, Like all that. But if I were to have to change that, or if I didn't already have a good one, my, it, it would be a story of something that did happen to me, but it was a couple of years later so the so the Opryland Hotel is a famous hotel here in Nashville, and it was one at one time well technically still owned by uh Gaylord operations or something um, they expanded, built a hotel in Orlando, built one in Dallas, and built one somewhere else so um washington d c the one in Dallas used to have a cigar bar in it and so I had driven back to after some school holiday on my way to, back to college. And it was a Sunday, and it was late. All the other shops were closed, but I knew they'd be open. So I, I paid the $30 for parking. I drove an hour out of my way. And I was like, I'm going to go. Hang. Well, Gaylord Properties, being very convention-based, they don't do a lot of tourism. They do mostly convention business. And so there was a convention in town, some garden magazine or something. These two guys sit down, and I'm smoking a cigar, and it was a Padrone 64 because I did not realize what cigar bar price markup was yet at that time. I paid $88 for that dang cigar, and I did not know that until she brought the check. Um, but I sit down, and I'm talking to these guys, and I, I have always looked six years younger than I actually am. And I'm talking, we're, we're talking about cigars, we're talking about other things. Waitress comes over and she says, you know, she was like, you know, getting them refilled. Do you want another? Sure. Yeah. And he was like, do you want a drink? And I was like, sure. All right. What do you want? And I was like, what are you guys drinking? And they're like, Johnny Blue. I was like, yeah, that's fine. And they are like, "Yeah, put it on our tab because they were expensing the whole thing." And so, at 19 years old, I was sitting in a cigar bar in Dallas, drinking Johnny Blue, smoking a Padron '64, and that was that was a. a that was nice. when you
1: peaked. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> it's been downhill from there. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you would want it to be a Padron, and you would want it to be in that situation.
0: Yeah. Interesting. That's a. That's a you know so many people get into cigars because of the aspirational qualities of it right when you think of cigar smoking you think of the doctor the lawyer the monopoly man right and so and i can say for myself there was something sort of gratifying about getting into this hobby while i'm in college you know trying to better myself and trying to improve my station in life and secure my future blah 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 all those clichés and so having that that moment having that hobby that that activity that makes me feel like i'm on my way certainly added a certain amount uh, to why I kept up with it.
1: So for me, you know, my my introduction to cigars is great. You know, I've told it before. I was in a Bible study, and we started smoking them after the Bible study. My preacher got me started smoking cigars, I can always say. Um, He had no idea I would enjoy it as much as I do. But, you know, one of the things our society is missing is a formal passage into manhood. You know, if you take the average guy who's not Jewish, and you say, hey, when did you become a man? It's usually marked by something that's not real. You know, oh, when I became a father, oh, when I got my first job, oh, when I got my first car, it's usually marked by kind of almost a traumatic experience. Okay. Okay. So I would have really liked for it to have been when I was with my father and several of his older friends, and I hit that magic eighteen, and they said, "Here, have a cigar with us." Yeah, and I would have wanted it to be a Florida lanceolatus. Yeah, yeah. I'd want that. I'd want to be able to always because that just rolls off the tongue. I would like to always be able to say my first cigar was
0: a Florida lanceolatus. All, Imagine I, how much better it would sound if you pronounced it correctly.
1: Ah, well. No, no I'm always going to pronounce it Antilius. <laughs> and I'll... But, uh, but, you know, I always kind of wished that had been my introduction, something like that. And all, hypothetically speaking, if I could go back and rewrite
0: history, that's what I would write. Yeah, I get that. Okay, go ahead and do one of yours. All right, so I, I really... You used to be a World of Warcraft kind of D&D kind of person. And I really, I really uh, gravitated towards the, the concept of this one. So if you could level up any aspect of yourself, strength, intelligence, charisma, whatever, any of your standard uh, attributes, but you had to degre- decrease another aspect of yourself by the same amount, which would you increase and which would you decrease?
1: I think you can increase your wisdom and decrease your strength probably the easiest. Be smarter but not be as strong. I think you'd be just fine.
0: Yeah. What's the old expression? If you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. Right.
1: So I think, you know, you you can always increase your strength and you can always decrease your strength and increase your technique and make up for it.
0: Well, it's one of those things. Wisdom is hard to come by. I I do believe that wisdom being different from intelligence, I think, is something that everyone kind of has a cap to to the level of wisdom that they're going to achieve. Now, you can can learn, you can go to school, you can increase your intelligence. Um, Strength, though, I, I think, unlike wisdom, is one of those things that you can't... Or that you can increase organically. So you could get that, if we're taking the D&D type of analogy, like you can use experience points to build your strength back up, but but wisdom is one of those that's really hard to, to increase naturally. Yeah,
1: well, and wisdom's probably not a valid stat in this situation. You'd probably have to say intelligence, um, because wisdom's a combination of experience and also your innate, you know, what's your innate ability at data processing? How quick can you react? You know, I'm quick on my feet. Things, think, When I think of things and something changes, I don't need to say to somebody, hold on a minute, i got to think this through. Yeah. It, it moves very quickly in my head. It moves all through there very quickly. And, I'll, and I think that's worth more than any of the strength you, you'll ever accumulate from a physical standpoint.
0: Yeah, I'm going to change my answer a little bit based on this conversation because I was thinking because now I'm trying to think of it in terms of like a gaming stat as opposed because I I was being a bit esoteric in my original thoughts. So I would say strength of mind or willpower would be something that I would increase, Um, and in doing so, I would probably. See, this is what happens when you change it up. I kind of lose the corollary of what sure. I would decrease. But I think, um, I think charisma. I think I would I would take some off of that because I don't have a whole lot to begin with. I don't think I'd miss <laughs> I
1: gonna, it. I was just gonna say we can't really take that much love. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'd miss it. You you have you have a certain amount of charisma because you possess a, a certain amount. You don't have an audacious charisma. You have a certain amount of genuineness that will attract people
0: to you. You can walk into a room full of 15 people that you've never met before and you'll leave with 15 friends. I cannot do that. But I can walk into a room with five friends and leave with stronger relationships with those people than when I first walked in. And so, sure. uh, you know, so that that's kind of the difference in how that plays out.
1: Well, it's interesting because our next one is actually about wrestling. But I will say, in wrestling, the athletes that succeed are always the most charismatic. They're never the best wrestlers. Right. You know, history is full of wrestlers that were amazing wrestlers.
0: Versus, but they couldn't get a crowd behind them or against them.
1: Yeah, like Hulk Hogan couldn't, Hulk Hogan, his, you know... Um, Iron Sheik always said my granny could wrestle better than Hulk Hogan, but he could bring a crowd around. He was charismatic and all, which brings me to my next one. And I, I love this one. If you had an entrance music like a wrestler, one of the greatest parts of wrestling is the entrance music. You know, the whole 90s was colored by Steve Austin's When They Break the Glass, It's Your Ass. Yeah. You know, the, you it, would hear the glass break. And uh, Stone Cold had the best entrance. Oh, absolutely. Just the, one of the greatest entrance themes of all time. And even when I think about Hulk Hogan, I don't think about Real American. I think about his original one when he actually beat the Iron Sheik for the world title was Eye of the Tiger yep. by Survivor. And also, if you could have an entrance music like a wrestler, so you open the door to the cigar shop and you walk in and this music plays, what would you have played?
0: 1812
1: Overture. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see that. And there's been a number of wrestlers that have went to classical music. Um, Ride of the Valkyries is very popular for that. For the racists? For the Nazis? Well, no, not necessarily. That. Don't call Daniel Bryan a Nazi. He helped the poor dying kid at WrestleMania. Oh, Daniel Bryan
0: is is Valkyrie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wagner was a noted Nazi, so that's the only reason I bring that up. Um, <laughs> no, how dare you take the heartwarming I, I story would not have, of Daniel no, Bryan? If I had known that was a, a, attributed to Daniel Bryan, I would not have gone there because it truly one of the genuine good guys of the of the sport. Um, but no, I, I thought about, because my sense of irony is so great, I thought about saying, like, Claire de Lune or Fur lease" or something really. But no, I think I think 1812 has the gravitas that you want.
1: I, I almost thought you would have some sort of folky Mumford and Sons type rhythm that would that would be, you know. Well,
0: but see, the thing is, you've got to, like, yes, I do listen to a very wide, sweeping, broad, you know, uh, um, type of music, there's very little that's off out of bounds for me. But my get-up music is actually third-wave ska, so like every time I work out, that's what I'm listening to. So like I, I can recognize that there's that there's a time and a place for the Mumford and Sons, folky kind of stuff, but there's also a time for the you know for the eight-four beat. Oh yeah.
1: So mine would be Pearl Jam Alive. I love the opening guitar it's, riff that's of Pearl really Jam Alive.
0: I would not have taken you for a Pearl Jam guy. Oh, I'm not. You just like a live. It's the
1: stupidest lyrics that have ever been written for a good guitar riff. The lyrics of that song are ridiculously absurd in all ways. It It, was 90s music. That that song should have better lyrics. That guitar riff and that musicianship deserves better lyrics. (laughs) And and, and I would want pyro. So here's, here's the really way I want it to work. I want to walk into the cigar shop. And the music hits and I reach and I cut my cigar and the pyro hits and when the pyro clears my cigar is lit <laughs> and then I walk up to the bar to hold court
0: So I've got to admit the pyro aspect was a, a big factor in why I chose 1812 overture because that's got it built in the, the cannons mm-hmm. and so you just you just do full floor cannons with pyro.
1: Now I will not make you answer this second this second part of the question unless you would like to. But there is certain people that when they enter the cigar shop, I hear their entrance music in my head, dum not dum 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 you know, or, or you hear, you know, you hear a certain kind of, um, you know, Gerald walks into the cigar shop and I hear DMX for some reason. That's... <laughs> kind of racist.
0: They, <laughs> the. Um, it's not the, meant no to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's someone. There's a person who walks in here. All I hear is dueling banjos. Like I, I oh, know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah, about.
1: Sometimes, sometimes you kind of live life through that vicariously. And I'll. So when your spouse entered the room, what entrance music would
0: you like to hear played? Do you have an answer for oh, this? Definitely. See, I didn't really. I, I missed this part when I was reading our notes earlier. So I don't... You go first. I'll see if I can come up with something.
1: It's sappy, and I'm okay with that. It's my wife of 23 years. I'm entitled to be sappy. Right. Jerry Reed, on one of his obscure albums, had a song called I Love You, What Can I Say? You bring a tear to the poet's eye. But that's not entrance music. That's how you feel about it. Oh, no. As as epic as that sound is cuz that's really the key of interest music is it's got to be that epic sound you can't you can't enter an arena to a a very um, you can't enter too. I gotta
0: be true to myself. Right. Well no, I guess my more to the point is is that's kind of caught up into your your view of her more than it is the world's view of her. Because that's why I struggle with, with answering this when w- when you posed it. The fact that every song I can think about in context of my wife is kind of sappy how I feel about her music as opposed to being honest entrance music for her. Well, it's, so I was th- thinking earlier about
1: this, and I was actually talking to my brother about this because I always bounce some of my podcast stuff off of my brother before we go on air just to see how it see how it lands. Yeah. I want to kind of see how it lands before I go into saying something like that. And we were talking about music, you know. If I wake up and I'm in a bad mood, so my music listening time is my walk with bass. Right. When we're on our walk, I've got my um, earbuds, I'm listening to music. If I'm having a day that I'm just angry, I've found it's less productive to listen to a Jimmy Buffett or a Ziggy Marley. I just get mad at
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You kind of have to burn through the anger. I kind of have to listen to System of a Down and ACDC, and I have to kind of bring myself out of it. Slowly, I kind of—I guess I have to burn through that. Yeah, yeah, you have anger. to steer
0: into the skid. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've got a playlist that I use at the house whenever I'm having it—one of those days at work where you're just you're you're you know running balls out the whole time and but not getting anything done—and it's got Dropkick Murphys on it, and that that's like key sort of get amped like burn through some because it's really like upbeat angry music sure and and i think there's a great time and place for that i think i will say one of the things that people don't expect about my wife is the fact that her genre of music that she gravitates towards and identifies with is heavy rock music like hard rock music disturbed and that type of stuff so it would definitely be in that genre Probably the power ballad. No, no, like the the hard-hitting stuff. In fact, one of our oh. favorite songs is called Schizophrenic Psycho, but I know better than to suggest
1: that for her entrance Ooh, music. <laughs>
0: yeah, somebody's sleeping on the couch Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said I am not suggesting that. Oh, wait, that. no, she doesn't
1: listen until Monday. Somebody's sleeping on the couch Tuesday night. <laughs> hey, she, never mind. uh uh-huh. Next question. <laughs> I, I,
0: I very nearly secured that position, but I'm going to walk away from it. But I'll go ahead. All right. So I'm I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to go out of order because we're we're running a little long, like we knew we would in this segment. Um, if you were this this sounded like something you would have come up with on your own. If you were forced into gladiatorial combat, but could only choose a weapon that isn't typically considered a weapon, what non-conventional weapon would you choose?
1: Okay, you're, you're going to have to—tell You tell me if
0: this qualifies or disqualified, the folding chair. I'm going to—I'm going to I'm gonna let you have it. You're
1: going to let me have a folding, I'm, chair? Cause folding I'm in, chair? I'm
0: inclined to say no, but—because oh. be, it now has a history— Of being used as a weapon.
1: Yeah, obviously I've seen a number of folding chairs wielded by some of the best.
0: I also don't know that you'd want to. I mean, part of the reason that they have had such a mainstay in professional wrestling is the fact that you can make it look like a vicious instrument, but it really isn't that dangerous. It's also also the sound. Yeah.
1: There's also a lot of benefit to the sound of the... The folding chair hitting the fleshy part of another human being. There's a little cell. but I'm just thinking strategically. It's kind of a. It's got a little reach to it. It's got a little weapon, a little weight, a little swing, and it can be used as a shield. Yeah, you can also block with it. And I think when you ha- when you're thinking in terms of household items becoming a, a means of self preservation, you kind of have to look for what are the things that the weapons that are out there have.
0: True, but I'm also thinking of it from my perspective of us in a racquetball court. You know, I know that I can run around and evade a lot. So the the shield aspect for me doesn't—I'm I'm counting on my own abilities to protect me more than I would something—
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a difference, yeah. the
0: hit and run versus the, the me smash. Right. And what would you choose? Now, you have a hard time finding one these days. <laughs> But <laughs> An ottoman <laughs> yeah. No, that's all right I've got three ottomans in my house a, a, The cord to a corded phone With the receiver attached The cord, oh, okay like, So cor- an old phone cord
1: The with, springy old cord cord With
0: the receiver attached So you could use it kind of like a flail Yep, exactly
1: I But also a
0: garrote one. and choke someone out with it
1: But very, very diversity. <laughs> Very versatile, not diverse versatile at all. Okay, I love this one. And I know you knew that this would be one this one's got Shane written all over. Oh yeah. If you were a ruler of a small country, what crazy policy would you implement? Now this one can go a couple of ways. You can be insane for the sake of insanity, okay, no wearing yellow on Tuesdays. Right. You know, you could be insane for the sake of insane, but if you really want to think about a policy That would be out, would be considered crazy, but would make society
0: better. So are you going to disqualify me if I give, if my answer is something that has actually been done before? No. Okay. So I want to say it's Cambodia. No, it's not Cambodia. It's somewhere in South Asia. This despot ruler has a dream in the middle of the night. And they were originally colonized by England. So everyone drove on the left side of the road. And he had a dream in the middle of the night. So he woke up the next morning and he passes an edict that from now on, we drive on the right side of the road because I fear that my country is drifting far to the left. So, but what what happened as a result of that? So you've got to think this is a country that already had infrastructure built in around it. All of the cars were right-hand drive all of the buses had their their passenger exit doors on the left side of the vehicle. So people are getting off buses into traffic. So it forces all of the drivers to constantly be on the lookout. And so, I mean, in this case, it didn't necessarily make driving or being a pedestrian safer, but I think it could have that that unintended consequence.
1: I can see that. I'll allow it. I can definitely see that. Mine would be a $500 fine for being more than 10 minutes
0: late. Ooh, I'm all about that.
1: And now, here's the thing. If you receive one of these tickets, if my time cops happened to give you one of these tickets, and you had a flat tire, or you had a car accident, or kid
0: going to the emergency room... It's kind of like getting caught... Uh, getting pulled over and you don't have your proof of insurance. If you can come to court and show that you had it, you're fine.
1: Right. If you if you can come to court and you can provide to the judge the actual okay, yes, here's the receipt from discount tire where I had to go get a new tire put on my truck. Okay, case dismissed. Or something like okay. that, case dismissed. At all. So I'm not I'm not just proposing, okay, but I'm just saying something to add value to being on time would make society better.
0: Now I apologize, listeners, in advance. You may want to step away for the next 30 seconds if you're a little squeamish. Now, I work from home, and most of the stuff that I'm responsible for being on time for are Zoom meetings, and there are days, especially like this past Monday, where I start my meetings at 10 a.m., and I run straight through. Every single one of these runs over a little bit, and I run straight through until 2.30 in the afternoon. I drink a lot of coffee in the morning. And so, at a certain point, I have to say, you know what? I'm going to be a little late to the next meeting. Now, if I take a picture of the turd in the in the toilet bowl as proof for why I was late because I couldn't stand it anymore, does that count?
1: No. <laughs> and uh, I think this goes under planning. You know, those things don't just happen out of nowhere on a daily basis. They, you generally, you know, I. You can set my your watch by my movements. See, I'm not that way. Oh, see, I, I
0: never know when it's going to strike me.
1: Oh, see, so you, you set your watch by my movements, so I know. Okay, about two fifteen, I'm going to have to have a few minutes. So, okay, I'm going to wrap this meeting up just a little early so that I'm be sure I'm in time for the two thirty. I'm I, I'm not going to allow the I'm not going to allow the bio break because I believe that's a result of poor planning. I think, I think you know it's coming. You should you should have to plan accordingly. I think that's part of, of structuring society better.
0: Well, I won't belabor the point. I've got, I've got a rebuttal, <laughs> but I won't belabor the point because we are. So we've got one more before we call it a day. Um, and I, I, this one is fun to me because I feel like you and I are going to have different answers. If when you died, you could cease to exist, just poof, fairy dust in the air, or wander the earth forever, never being able to interact with anything. Which would you choose?
1: Oh, I'd wander the earth. Absolutely. I'd go find Bigfoot. I would spend a lot of time in the ladies' room. I would run. I would go. Jesus. I would go to Buddhist temples and and gain enlightenment. I mean, there's so so much. If I could just wonder, that I'd, I'd, I'd be cool wondering. I'd be a good wanderer.
0: There's a really interesting plot point in The Good Place around this, and it's it's towards the end of the run of the series. So I won't, um, so I won't I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But the idea is that eternity can be a, a double edged sword, and it can be it can be this really like. Bittersweet idea. So there's a part of me that's like, I don't know, forever. But I also wonder, you know, there is so much on this earth that I would want to see, even even that I want to see before my life ends. But even I know there's more stuff that I would love to if I thought there was ever a conceivable time to do it. So there's part of me that says, yeah. But but at the same time, like I can think of after you've seen everything, would I mean? If I can't interact with anything, that means I can't go fishing. I can't smoke cigars. I, I feel like there would be a point at which I would regret that decision.
1: I don't know because you know, at some point, mankind is going to encounter, is going to accomplish interstellar travel. So you hitch a ride on the next space shuttle to Jupiter. But
0: this says, "Wander the Earth."
1: Sure, but you get. But obviously, no. The,
0: the, this is it's, it's written in the hypothetical. So in the so in your
1: hypothetical, you're bound to the earth. So when it the, it says, what happens wander the earth very so specifically, so you're bound to this rock in a billion years when the earth explodes. Do you cease to are stuck then? on
0: one of the little pieces of rock debris. You just have to
1: float around and you know.
0: No, I, I'm not thinking that part of it. But um, no, I think it, it also like creates this rate because there are days when i'm just tired right and i assume if i'm an extra natural being that i probably won't have that either. but can i like have this esp where i know when somebody is you know about to watch the next episode of whatever show is like super hot and i can just kind of sit in their living room and watch netflix with them sure <laughs> Yeah, well, you you would get you would have your favorites. You'd have your favorite people you followed around. Yeah, I, I would I'll, definitely keep in touch with my family. That would be one thing for me that sounds really. And I this is one of those like not to get too f- deep in the woods on this, but one of the everyone's concept of heaven is a little bit different. Sure. And being able to pop in on grandkids, great grandkids, great 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 grandkids, like that part sounds really awesome to me.
1: Yeah, I would say I'm I'm the right. I'm the other way. I mean to to walk you know to walk down the Marianas Trench at <laughs> all and I'll just see what's going on around there. Now I couldn't carry a flashlight, so I'd I was have about to, to say, do you have, have night to, vision in this scenario? I, I'd have to tag along with Jacques Cousteau, but I'm assuming if you're an ethereal being, your concept of light and dark, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you know your your senses are going to be different. You would have a, a different realm of sensory. Sensory availability to you So there's probably some of that To be had in there But all right We went really deep in that one (laughs) We did That one's really deep in the weeds So La Rora Puro Vintage Seven
0: Africa's still a seven
1: Absolutely seven Um, It's been rich It's been complex It's been everything they do well Well, okay I gotta revise it I do need to ding it for the price
0: Yeah I you, mean, you've not actually said how much it costs on the show yet. Are you doing that on purpose? Well, No, it's $31 here. Okay, yeah. And I'll... Um, but it holds
1: its own against a Padron, which not many cigars are going to do. Right. It opened up beautifully as it burned, like a Solomon tends to do. The flavors have been complex and layered. Um, I didn't have to pay for it, so that yeah, kind of... That helps. That's, that probably is what gives me the initial seven spark. And I'll... Um, Am I going to run and buy another one for a special occasion? Yeah. Something special, I'll definitely grab one. You know, if I have a really good week, close a big deal, have some stuff like that happen, yeah, I don't mind going and grabbing another one at that point. So, yeah, I'm probably I'm probably going to be looking at a 7.
0: All right. And I'll worth the money. That's rare for a cigar at that price point to get a 7 from you, from either of us.
1: It is. And, and I, I want to ding it, but I can't take a puff of it and ding it at less than
0: 7. Yeah. That's fair. And also. All right. How do they get hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com the cigar cast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigar cast and email info at the cigarcast.com.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.